hour number three of the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. She is Leah Brandon. And this is the program where each and every Sunday we get together for three hours. We talk about the news of the week, the events of our bizarre lives. And we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. And to begin hour number three, we want to do something a little bit different, a little bit special. Because this weekend is the 10th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina, which obviously was a horrible tragedy. People lost their lives, lost property. No one wants to make light of that, right, Leah? Let's make sure we're clear about that. Exactly. Uh, However... In the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, there was insanity. and Absolute. And, and people lost their minds. And the truth got trampled on, and a, an entire false narrative got created, and lives and careers got destroyed unnecessarily. And frankly, it got to such an absurd point that it was hilarious. <laughs> and when we were on the air together 10 years ago, our producer at the time, Jason Nathanson, created a compilation of the most insane sound bites in the post-Katrina era, put them to music, and so just so people remember some of the voices they're about to hear. You're going to hear Celine Dion. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're going to hear Celine Dion. You're gonna what hear, a wacko. You're going to hear Barbara Bush. You're going to hear Wolf Blitzer. You're going to hear New Orleans Mayor Ray Nagin. You're going to hear uh, Louisiana Senator Mary Landro who, by the way, is no longer in office. It's like Ray Nagin's no longer in office. Not a coincidence. Uh, who else are you going to You're going to hear all sorts of, of Kanye money. West. Oh, yes, Kanye. Who could forget Kanye West? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so without further ado, here is a look back 10 years ago this weekend to the ins- insanity that got unleashed in the wake of Hurricane Katrina. I come here at every night to perform. I barely can sing, but for respect for the people who come, I am still singing. I hate the way they portray us in the media. You see a black family that says they're looting. You see a white family that says they're looking for food. The way America is set up to help the uh, uh, the poor, the, the black people, the, uh, the less well-off as slow as possible. They, they've given them permission to go down and shoot us. George Bush doesn't care about black people. Probably the most shocking, the least surprising, um, and I think criminally negligent lack of lack of uh, support. That it is not a coincidence that the storm's name is a sister, Katrina. So she represents the collective cries of mothers who have lost their sons to the brutality and the murderous grip of this racist, white supremacist American culture. You know, some people are stealing and they're making a big deal out of it. Oh, they're stealing 20 pair of jeans or they're stealing television sets. Who cares? They're not going to go too far with it. Maybe those people are so poor. Some of the people who do that are so poor. They've never touched anything in their life. Let them touch those things for once. And so many of the people in the arena here 
you know, we're, we're underprivileged anyway. This is, this is working very well. This is working very well for us. You, you, you simply get chilled every time. You see these poor individuals uh, so tragically. So many of these people, almost all of them that we see, are so poor and they are so black. George Bush doesn't care about black people. It's time to actually show that this government can be competent. You know, the questions that have been raised about the competence and the effectiveness of this administration certainly are not limited to what's happened with Katrina. Instead of unconsciously blaming others, we must take charge and take responsibility and we must get it right. The president should have taken charge and taken responsibility. The conditions in the Superdome and now even in Houston are slave Families come, if you're elderly and frail, you go this way. Separate from your children, you go this way. If you need medication, you go this way. Nobody in charge. Come on, President Bush. The American people expect and deserve accountability. They expect leadership. Uh, they expect competence. They didn't see any of that coming out of the White House following the disaster of Katrina. There have been reports of boatloads of white Americans being transported out of harm's way while African Americans are still left lingering, trying desperately to find assistance. When the people of Louisiana called for help, they were told, get behind the people of Iraq. How come it's so easy to send planes in another country to kill everyone in a second to destroy lives? Hurricane Katrina is George Bush's Monica Lewinsky. One difference, and I'll say this. The only difference is this, uh, that tens of thousands of people weren't stranded in Monica Lewinsky's vagina. Although, it is an interesting point. Uh, this is an interesting point. Uh, her vagina at the time was also known as the Superdome. Maybe I'm too much like him. I'm not thinking with my head. I'm talking with my heart. Nobody can open any roofs. The helicopters fly in. Take two people at a time. Take a kayak. Go into those walls. This is Dante's Inferno, Bill. All right. Well, we're trying to get those buses in there tonight. Um, security looks like it's you, pretty, you it's pretty good it. right now. You can now. do it, Bill. You can do it better than the governor. Forget about the governor. Bypass the governor. You do it. You're the man to do it. All right, well, we're doing you it. Do I mean, it. we're, we're look. It, lo it looks like security is good there right now. Is that correct? It's good around me. No, it's good around. They rallied around me. These New Orleans police officers rallied around me. But the blunt reaction of Teresa Roy, who owns a small grocery store, startled us with her apparent preference for a mall rather than a shelter. I'd rather have them here. Uh, dead than alive, and you know, at least they're not robbing you, and you have to worry about beating them. My biggest learning uh, point is don't assume things. I assume that if we got as many people to safety, that the Calvary would immediately come and provide resources. That didn't happen. Let them touch those things for once. And I, I might likely have to punch George Bush doesn't care about black people.
know, we're, we're underprivileged anyway. This is, this is working very well for us. Are so poor and they are so black. The conditions in the Superdome and now even in Houston are slave-like. That it is not a coincidence that the storm's name is a sister, Katrina. George Bush doesn't care about black people. Doesn't care about black people. Doesn't care about black people. I am still singing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Oh, Hurricane Katrina 10 years later. And, Leah, it's always hard when I hear that for me to choose which soundbite is my favorite. Oh, I know which one is mine. Which is, well, you, you like the racist woman from uh, Louisiana about the morgue, right? It's unbelievable that she would say that to a camera. See, but I, I grade on a different uh, set of standards. To, to me, Media people like Wolf Blitzer saying so poor and so and black. So black. <laughs> or how about Geraldo Re- Rivera? The <laughs> New Orleans police rallied around me because it's all about me. But it's awfully hard to beat Celine Dion. Oh, Le- yeah. Let them touch those things. <laughs> Bring a kayak. <laughs> Two at a time. Bring a kayak. <laughs> Look, there's a serious point to be made about all this, which we'll make when we come back on the John and Leah show here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. This is the John and Leah show where we're always holding out for a hero. My name is John Ziegler. She is Leah Brandon. And before we move on to other news of the week, and there are several other things I want to get to between now and the end of the program at the top of the hour, Leah, I do okay. think that the uh, 10th anniversary of Katrina is worthy of uh, a little bit more substantive commentary than just us laughing at that retrospective that we played in the last segment. You know, at the time, I don't know how much you remember about this, Leah, but at the time, I totally bought in. Oh, my gosh, me too. It was it was horrible. I bought in hook, line and sinker to the media's characterization slash narrative that we were basically living in end times, that we'd never seen anything like this. That the country was in peril, that uh, you know this was going to be a catastrophe, the likes of which we had never seen before. Right. I never really bought into the it was all George Bush's fault. That that seemed insane to me. And of course, we had just come off of an election cycle the year before, where the news media basically tried to steal that election. I mean, let's be right. Let's be clear about that. I mean, we we, we documented that every night on our old KFI in Los Angeles show. Where that was the first year where the media decided, you know what, let's just try to steal this thing. Let's just try to steal it. Now, they didn't because they had a lousy candidate in John Kerry. And he was off and you helped to tank him, by right, the way. That's right. a story for another day. Right. But, I mean, and, of course, 9-11 was still lingering in people's minds. So, But the news media was practicing in 2004 what, what they would, for what they would later do in 2008. But I was still naive enough. That on something like this, I thought, okay, they can't be lying this audaciously. They can't be. There must be most 
deathly truth to this whole insanity insanity that's going on in uh, in New Orleans uh, because of Hurricane Katrina. And again, no one is diminishing what happened, but let's be very clear. First of all, you know, it was, the hurricane actually didn't do that much damage to New no. Orleans. It was the breaching of the levees, which was a completely different matter. Well, George uh, Bush blew him up. Don't right, you remember? Yeah, right, okay. But here's the, and you're getting me to the more important point. Forget about the specifics of Hurricane Katrina for a second. Um, that was my awakening. Hurricane Katrina was my awakening into a couple of things. One, just how powerful the news media is and how willing they are to create a false narrative if it fits their agenda, whatever that agenda might be, political, ratings, or something else, personal, um, like Geraldo. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> the, the New Orleans police rallied around me. Uh, I mean, that's, narciss- that's narcissism 101 right there. I mean, yep. the, the, the news media loved Katrina because it put them in the middle of a, of a crisis, and they could try to help fix it, right? Uh, but here's the other thing I learned from Hurricane Katrina. There's a certain point in a crisis where people panic and lose their minds completely. And it is at that point where the truth has no chance because people will believe anything, anything. Yeah, they were raping babies in the Superdome. Thank you. That's that's exhibit A. The notion that and I believe Oprah Winfrey played a key role in this where she she reported that babies were being raped in the Superdome. Now, I don't remember my level of skepticism on that one, but <laughs> but at first at least I thought, wow, this is really horrible. Um and and then I started thinking, well, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Why would anybody rape a baby because they were hungry or or if they needed a drink of water? Or they, and By the way, you're going to rape a baby in front of thousands of people in a Superdome? <laughs> but why would you rape a baby to begin with? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Now, I realize that certain, when, you know, when the crap hits the fan, not everything makes sense. But, but it, why would you go there? Well, Who would start that? Right, of course. <laughs> and, and as it turned out, that was false, as yeah. was a lot of what we were told in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. It was false. Let, let's be clear. Hurricane Katrina was a fairly normal disaster when it comes to hurricanes, which we've had lots of in this country, that got exacerbated because of the unique topography of the area and the unique incompetence of the local leadership. That's what happened, all right? That's right. But they didn't get any of the blame. None of it, Ray Nagin. Because they're black and because they're liberals and because George Bush was a juicy target. And, you know, you could almost hear in that piece we played, the Democrats, they were almost like surprised. Gee, I guess the media is really going to let us get away with this one, huh? Let's blame George Bush. Ha, ha, ha. All right. Uh, when we come back, um, more news of the week on the uh, John and Leah show right here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show getting ready for NFL season coming up in a couple of weeks. My name is John Ziegler. She's Leah Brandon. That's the music from Hard Knocks, by the way, the HBO reality series on NFL training camps. One of my favorite TV shows. I love that show. <clears throat> it's a pretty good season. I don't know if you watched it yet so far with the Houston Texans. But I have you, not. You should catch up on it. Pretty decent. It's inc- it's the most well-produced show on television because how they put that thing together in the amount of time they have at the at the high level of production value they have is beyond me. And I've done that kind of thing. So I, I have some expertise in this area. So anyway, that's my uh, my plug for hard knocks. Um, so before we move on to other news of the week, and there are several other things I want to get to in the final two segments of the program. One last point on the Hurricane Katrina anniversary, because part of the false narrative that we didn't even get to that the media created. Remember when the Hurricane Katrina disaster was part of this new reality we were going to be living in with regard to storms and oh, weather. Yes. That was, it was all global warming, right? You know. Global warming. And we were just going to have to get used to this. This was going to happen all the time. And That's it was going right. to change the way we lived. As a matter of fact, it's interesting that this is the 10th anniversary of Katrina because on the Drudge Report right now, there's a link. It's the second time he's linked to it in the last month or two. I don't know why. I think he might have made a mistake. But uh, there's a link to an ABC report from 2009 predicting that by 2015, by the way, what year is it right now? It's 2015. Right, 2015, we would have all these horrific storms and all these horrific droughts and everything would be extreme. Here's the reality. Uh, Since Hurricane Katrina, we only had one hurricane that people remember, and the only reason people remember Hurricane Sandy is because it hit New York City. And, right. and and which is highly unusual to begin with, but also means you're going to get 10 times as much media coverage as you would normally. And oh, by the way, it's still a mess up there. Exact- and guess what? Thank There's you. no blame to Obama Bingo. at all. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. What difference at this point does it make? Yeah, the reality <laughs> is you're, you're 100% right, Lee. You read my mind. Because if the media had wanted to create a Katrina-like narrative after sandy they could have but those but those were white people mostly Mm -hmm. on the jersey shore um and so you know and and we weren't going to blame obama and chris christie didn't let anybody blame obama because he gave him a big fat slobbering kiss so um (laughs) that never happened um but the reality is there haven't been any big storms in fact we are living in the most docile climate period this country has had, at least according to the records. Well, they're right once again, you know. It's it's amazing how wrong the news media is. They almost have to be genius to be this wrong this often. Um, All right, so enough of that. I want to talk about um, the Little League World Series briefly for a couple reasons. Number one, uh, the Little League World Series is, to me, one of the best, uh, sporting events left, uh, although ESPN is doing its darndest to destroy it. Because here's what happens in all of sports. Uh, and it started at the professional level, and it's working its way down. You take something that's great and pure, and then you blow it up so big, you destroy it so you can suck all the goodness out of it like a <laughs> vampire. And and so that's what Spit they did. Spit out the kernel. Right, exactly. So that's what happened with professional sports. Professional <laughs> sports were super cool back when these guys were only making normal wages yeah. and actually cared about winning and cared about loyalty and cared about their city and cared about their team and their teammates. Well, now... 
they don't give a crap about anything because their Mm-mm. grandkids' trash trust funds are all taken care of already. They don't need to win anything. They change teams, you know, like their laundry. Drop of a hat. Uh, right. And so we've sucked all the goodness out of professional sports. So then we moved from professional sports to the Olympics. We we made them professionals, and we sucked all the goodness out of that. And now it started with Carrie Strug. Right. I remember the moment it started. You, you playing Carrie Strug? Really? I do. The, the I gym, do. The gymnast who. Who didn't really win the gold medal? I don't know if you know the whole story. For people who remember, don't remember Carrie Strug. She. This is a classic media narrative. People to this day think that she won the gold medal for the United States with a broken leg. As it turns out, I could have taken the the vault for the United States, and we still would have won the gold medal at that time. It didn't even mm-hmm. count. Mm-hmm. But all right. But how did she? How did she destroy the Olympics? I blame her because that was the first time that I really noticed, wait, whoa, wait. The only thing they cared about was getting the photo of the uh, trainer reaching down and lifting her up. Oh. It was so choreographed, oh, okay. and I blame her. That was all the right. beginning of the anyway, end. Anyway, you, you, you've, you've taken me off my diatribe here. So, well, so, you asked. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. You're always allowed to do that, Leah. So <laughs> so anyway, so we've sucked all the lifeblood that's good out of the Olympics. Now we moved on to college sports, and we're yeah. destroying the hell out of college football, which is hard to do because it's the greatest sport ever created. So it's going to take a while for us <laughs> to completely destroy, dismantle, and eat the carcass of college football. But they, we're getting <laughs> darn close to it. Of course, everybody's making a ton of money from it that's what's so hilarious people think college football has never been healthier because people are making more money from it than ever well guess what you're sucking the lifeblood out of it all right so you're killing it it's going to be dead very soon um so now now we've moved away from now and now we have to go down further down the totem pole and all that's left is little league baseball and es <laughs> e- espn saw the little league world series the most pure sporting event you could possibly imagine with 12 year olds playing nothing but for love of the game having their magic moment their once in a lifetime magic moment with kids that they're going to spend two or three months with and never never probably see again the rest of their lives. This, this incredible magical mystery tour that the teams that get all the way to Williamsport, Pennsylvania are in. And ESPN looked at that and goes, that's too pure. We must destroy that. We must suck the blood from it. There is money to be made. So we've gone now from... You know, when I was a kid, only the World Series championship game was on television. It was on ABC, and it was a huge moment in my life every year. One, because uh, Little League Baseball was my life, and two, I knew summer was over when that game was was done. That was the, always sad. Yes. When the, the Little League World Series was over, summer was done with it. Um, but now, they actually air regional games... <laughs> Before you even get to the Little League World Series. Anyway, long Because if once is good, then 80 times is 80 times right. better. Anyway, long story short, there was a remarkable story this year, as opposed to last year, when the United States team ended up forfeiting at the end because they had used all these illegal players. But don't let's not talk about that because nope. they're black. So therefore, oh. we're we're gonna pretend that didn't actually happen, um, and that there's they weren't Hispanic. Well, 
<laughs> Believe me, if there had been a white team, we would have heard about it all, you know, forever and ever. But uh, and, but, but let's re- re- rewind that. If it had been a white team, they would have been disqualified before they even got the regionals. All right. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's what. It, that's why that Jackie Robinson team out of Chicago was able to do what they did. They got to go to the White House and get their. And I, I you know, they got all. I don't even think they got their their awards taken away. The whole thing was a sham. Anyway, this year there was a team from Pennsylvania that made it all the way to the international finals against Japan, and this team from Pennsylvania came from a, a city of uh, not a city, a town uh, of like 340 people. I mean, uh, you know, so an amazing story. They go undefeated, undefeated, which is impossible in baseball. All right, mm-hmm. you go undefeated through the whole summer. These mm-hmm. these like 12 kids, um, they get, make it to the championship game against Japan. Uh, they're they're like an uh, less than a hundred miles from their hometown. There's over forty two thousand people there. They score ten runs in the first inning. Good ten, gosh! Ten runs. The pencil the team for Pennsylvania scores in the first inning, and they get crushed. They got oh. crushed. They got beat eighteen to eleven after being ahead ten to two in the first inning. How did that uh, happen? Uh, I've never seen anything like it in baseball. I've played a lot of baseball, little league baseball games. I doubt very seriously I've ever been anything close to a game where one team scored 10 runs in the first inning and not only lost, but got crushed. Um, you know, but it's you know typical of everything that's happening in America. Japan does it better than we do, uh, even <laughs> baseball. I mean, Japan's dominated the Little League World Series for quite a while. Um, but here's the other part. There's another part to the Little League World Series that is much more political and gets to why ESPN is evil. Uh, and I will talk about that when we return on this edition of the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. the final segment of this edition of the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. Her name is Leah Brandon. If you missed any of the program, you can catch our podcasts tomorrow morning, Monday morning at our website, www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. That's freespeechbroadcasting.com. You can also catch all of our most recent shows uh, on the podcasting link there at freespeechbroadcasting.com. Leah, um, I mentioned in the last segment that uh, something happened at the Little League World Series, which proved further to anyone who doesn't already know this, that ESPN is evil. Um, And it's not just because they're taking advantage of 11 and 12 year old kids to make a ton of money while sucking the lifeblood out of the last great innocent uh, sports institution that there is in this country. I don't know if you knew about this, but this week, Kurt Schilling was supposed to announce for ESPN at the Little League World Series. Right. And he got suspended from doing so. Why did he get suspended from doing so? Well, because he sent out a tweet, a tweet with a, a graphic that had a picture of Hitler, and it said the following. It's said only 5 to 10% of Muslims are extremists. In 1940, only 7% of Germans were Nazis. How'd that go? Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, which is a perfectly legitimate point. He's comparing Muslim extremists, otherwise known as terrorists. Radicals. Radicals. 
to Nazis and saying, hey, look, um, it's interesting to note that not all Germans were Nazis. <laughs> and just like not all Germans were Nazis, not all Muslims are, are extremists. But look what happened with Germany. Now, it's not 100 percent perfect analogy because there is no Muslim state like there is was a German state. Right. But but still, the analogy is legitimate. It's certainly not remotely racist or inappropriate in any way. Uh, ESPN suspended him. For now, what? Political incorrectness, I guess. What but are they mad about? Because I don't understand what's wrong the with the tweet. The tweet did not reflect their values. That's what they said. <laughs> and so, so therefore, he cannot announce 11- and 12-year-olds playing baseball. Oh, um, wow. Now, but here's, here's the part that's important. Not only does that set you in another horrendous precedent for political correctness, but, and I knew this is exactly what would occur, or more appropriately, not occur. Because Kurt Schilling is a conservative mm. and has endorsed Republicans like Romney and McCain in the past, mm. I knew he would get no support. He would get no support from the media, and there would be no backlash from conservatives. This is why this doesn't happen to liberals. One, because the people making the decisions are liberals, and so when a liberal does something truly insane, the liberals in charge go, that wasn't that bad. Exactly. Um, But more importantly, there's no backlash for them to deal with because the media won't create a backlash, and conservatives sit there and go, well, boy, that doesn't seem fair, does it? But I'm not going to do anything about it. So that's that's why conservatives are vulnerable. Conservatives continue to get picked off because there's no backlash, because no one rushes to Kurt Schilling's defense. And so the precedent is set. It's not that you say something wrong or politically incorrect. It's you said something that's conservative. And therefore, if we don't like it, we're going to suspend you, even though it makes no sense whatsoever. It particularly makes no sense whatsoever, Leah, when in the very same week, ESPN had another situation with one of their announcers to deal with. Okay. This was with former NFL wide receiver Chris Carter, who is one of their NFL announcers. It was revealed this week that at an NFL rookie orientation, Chris Carter, on tape, not a tweet, not that, that he retweeted like Chris, like Kirk Schilling did, on tape, Chris Carter told incoming NFL rookies that they should choose a friend to be their fall guy for when they commit crimes. Oh, gosh. I'm not making this up. I'm not exaggerating. Oh, he was just joking. Uh, um, well, That's just the way he is. Well, the way he is is black. So as a black guy, you're allowed, apparently, at ESPN to to promote crime. That's what you're doing. You you are you are enabling your you are you're almost an accessory before the fact of crime by telling NFL rookies better get one of your buddies to be your fall guy in case you commit a crime so that he can take the fall for you and you can continue to play. Um, wow. Uh, and that's again, I'm not exaggerating. You can look it up for yourself. You know what, Chris punishment Chris Carter got? No. A statement from ESPN saying. We're disappointed. (laughs) No suspension. (laughs) No nothing. Just a statement. Yeah, we we don't agree with that. We're disappointed. Let's move on. Well, you Um, know, Kurt Schilling just needs to walk away then, honestly. 
Well, what else is Chris Kurt Schilling going to do? He lost all his money in a in a video game endeavor, so he he needs <laughs> he needs the gig. Um, oh boy! So I I I have such disdain for ESPN, such disdain. They have blown so many stories. They have become so liberal, especially since they're now owned by Disney. It is the liberal sports network. That's what they are. They are the liberal, politically correct sports network, and they get stories wrong all the time. And as I spoke in this hour last week, they completely blew the Penn State story from A to Z. From A to Z. Check our podcast for hour number three last week if you want details of my three-year-plus involvement in that by the way, there was a major invo- major development in that case this week, Leah. I don't know if you saw this or not, but you know one anybody of the- chasing you around town with a car? No, not yet. That'll happen this week when I release. Uh, I'm going to release a whole bunch of information on my website, uh, framingpaterno.com, on Tuesday. So if you're interested in this story, especially those of you <laughs> in Philadelphia, oh, it'll be good. I, I, I'm probably going to get kicked off Facebook. Uh, I'll probably never be seen again on social media. It's going to be, it's going to be a nuclear explosion on Tuesday at framingpaterno.com. Stuff you're just going to blow your minds if, if you've ever followed the story, if you haven't. But anyway, one of the more interesting facts about the Penn State scandal is that for some bizarre reason, they never found a shred of pornography on Jerry Sandusky in his computer, at his home, anywhere close to him, which is impossible, right? In, in the real world, it's impossible, especially in this day and age. Especially, especially if you're a pedophile. Right. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, I'm presuming that that's the narrative, right? He's a pedophile. And oh, by the way, I know him personally to be completely technically inept. So there's not a chance in the world he was able to scrub his computer from any pornography. Well, guess what? This week, they finally found pornography. In fact, not only did they find pornography, they found some racist stuff, clearly racist stuff. They found some uh, naked pictures of uh, of sex. They even found a picture of a little boy in his underwear in a sexual situation. And of course, this was rather, you know, devastating to my view of the case, except for the fact that the porn was not found on Jerry Sandusky. Oh, I cannot wait. I bet I know whose computer was found on. It was found on the computer of the guy prosecuting the case. Wow. The guy prosecuting the case, Frank Fina was found to have had everything I just told you, including a picture of a little boy in his underwear in a sexual situation. Now, it was not a grossly sexual situation, but trust me, if they had found this on Jerry Sandusky's computer, everybody in the world would have known about it. (laughs) Because it would have been, aha, we finally got some evidence. (laughs) But um, no. How did they find this? Well, because they've done so many investigations in this case, one of the things they did is they went through the emails of this guy. By the way, not only did they find the pornography, he had had erased it from his computer and he had lied to a court about the nature of it. Oh, no. I mean, and and, and this is all, as people in Pennsylvania know, wrapped up in a scandal involving the attorney general of Pennsylvania because the attorney general is now under indictment and she's alleging that it was the porn – that Frank Fina had on his computer, which was his motivation to try to take her out before she revealed the porn. I mean, that, Whoa. this is the environment in which the Penn State quote-unquote scandal happened. And yet the media, uh, nothing to see here. No, let, no, let's not revisit what we screwed up horrendously. Uh, that's the job of me, because no one else will do it. Um, and so, like I said, if you want more information on that, uh, go to www.framingpaterno.com. By the way, speaking of such things, you know, I've always looked at other stories, and I go, look at how much evidence there is there in comparison to what there was with nothing in Penn State. 
Right now, you can make a hell of an argument that Subway covered up for Jared Fogle. But what, what's coming out about Subway and Jared Fogle is exponentially larger than anything that happened in regard to Penn State. And yet, because there's no Joe Paterno, no ratings, and Subway pays all these networks millions of dollars in advertising, oh, nothing to see here. Let's Where move are the crickets? On. Let's move on. <laughs> oh, yep, yeah, this is the coverage of the Subway cover-up. There it is. <laughs> All right, uh, Leah, uh, always good to talk to you. Um, we'll be back again next week uh, for three Sounds hours uh, from 7 to 10 on the uh, East Coast. I'm, I'm sorry, 10 to 1 on the East Coast, 7 to 10 on the West Coast. You can check out our podcast at uh, www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. That's freespeechbroadcasting.com. Uh, they'll be available Monday morning. And until uh, next week, everybody have a great week. My name is John Ziegler. She is Leah Brandon. This is the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Take, take, have a great week. I'll talk to you next Sunday.